You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. Today, we are going to talk about Saturday's game against Syracuse, in which Boston College won 16-13. We're going to dive into all the ins and outs of this game, what the coaches had to say after the game and on Sunday, what happened during the game, some of the ups and downs, and look at some of the things that went well and some of the things that didn't go well in a game that was really kind of ugly. But before we do, let's talk a little bit about the podcast. If this is your first time listening to Locked On Boston College, welcome. Let's give you a little lowdown what this podcast is. Locked On Boston College is a daily Boston College podcast hosted by me, AJ Black. I'm the editor and publisher of bcbulletin.com, and I'm going to talk about everything Boston College uh, throughout the season. You're going to get insights into recruiting and the ins- uh, analysis of games, reviews of what's going on. I'm going to have interviews. I got some really cool interviews, I think, that are starting to line up. And I'm going to talk to other experts. You know, this week we'll be talking on to Locked On Notre Dame and get some uh, insight into what's going on with their season. So if you have not done so already, please go to your favorite podcast directory and hit subscribe for Locked On Boston College. Um, that way you're going to get every single podcast that comes out uh, at for this show sent directly to your phone, your iPad, wherever you listen. So thank you. Let's get going on today's topic, the Syracuse game. Boston College defeated Syracuse yesterday 16-13 to in a game that was, let's just be honest, ugly to watch. It was not very pretty. Boston College decided that they were going to run the ball, and they ran the ball a lot against Syracuse. David Bailey and Travis... Levy combined for 42 rushes between the two of them, in which they averaged around 4.5 yards per carry. So the rushing was there. However, Boston College just continued like they have all season to make those little mistakes that prevented them from executing and getting points. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that looked like. On the other side of the ball, Syracuse started a freshman quarterback, Jacoby and Morgan, instead of going with Rex Culpepper, who had been starting for them. And they found a little lightning uh, in a bottle with him to start the game. He started off pretty strong and um, definitely started, you know, he had BC on their heels a little bit. But then Boston College, especially Jeff Halfley and Tim Lokabu, they, they, they put the twist on that and kind of ended it. So we're going to look at first the offense. Let's look at what the offense did on Saturday. Now, one, I want to address the style of play that they did. Now, last week, Boston College played Clemson, and that was an emotional game. It was against one of the top, you know, the top team in the country, and BC was giving Clemson everything they could handle, and then everything started to fall apart. You know, you had Phil Jakovic getting hit over and over again, and he looked like he almost got hurt, and then the game ends. Now you face a team like Syracuse. They're 1-6. And you look at what they're able to do and what they're not able to do. And the biggest thing that stands out to you is their inability to run the ball. So what did Frank Signetti do? He decided, let's just keep this simple. Let's run the ball down their throat and let's get out of this game. It doesn't matter what the score is, but we're going to just execute and do what we have to do. 
And for the most part, I thought they did a pretty good job with that. Now, my biggest issue with the running game was that, you know, they were averaging about five yards a run. And when you can do that, you run the ball because you can you can march, march down the field and take huge chunks off the, the clock by doing that. However, it seemed like if you were watching it, it would be like David Bailey for seven yards, Travis Levy for seven yards. Then it would be David Bailey gets stuffed for two-yard loss. And then they couldn't get out of those holes. They did not have the power in, in terms of running to get past that. They couldn't figure out a way to get, you know, to get Levy to the second level or to get Bailey to the second level. And I think that's been an issue with the running this year. Now, remember last year when we watched Steve Adazio's rushing attack, and you can say what you will about his style and, and you know, thank, you can thank yourself that it's gone. But when A.J. Dillon and David Bailey were running back then, you never knew when they would just break it for 40, 50 yards or take it to the house. It doesn't seem like Boston College's rushing attack has that in it this year. Like, Bailey does, like, he'll get a 12-yard rush here and there, but we have not seen a humongous run out of Bailey or Levy all that often or at all. And I think that's a big issue. And we, you know, and it, it kind of showed itself against Syracuse. When Boston College would go behind the sticks, you could get a seven-yard run from Bailey on third down or second down, but it would still sometimes when there was one little mistake, they would be playing catch-up. So that was an issue I saw, was that the rushing attack just doesn't have that second level, and it's something that they need. And I don't know if it's just not Bailey and Levy just don't have that this year, or if it's the blocking schemes. You just don't see the home run ball there anymore, and it's kind of disappointing. On the other end, the passing attack. I thought Djokovic did what he needed to do after starting off really slow. Now, he looked... And I know a lot of you guys said this. They look like something funky going on with him the first couple drives. His The ball was coming out of his hand weird. He was missing targets by a lot. It just didn't seem like the same Phil Dracovic we'd seen, you know, against uh, Georgia Tech or the better games that he played. Um, it just didn't seem like he was all there. And I saw a lot of people asking him, is he hurt after the Clemson game? Because you remember, he took two huge shots against Clemson. And I, it looked like both of them landed on his throwing shoulder. Um, but I thought Dracovic did a nice job after that to kind of silence those questions. Because he looked much more confident when he was throwing the ball. And he was able to kind of hit you know, the short intermediate stuff. And I thought Jeff Halfley brought up a really interesting point after the game about that. So if you were noticing, you were waiting for Zay Flowers to get a big pass or to, for Hunter Long. Um, Halfley mentioned that Syracuse was specifically sitting back more. They had the safeties lined up back, and they were forcing BC to check down over and over and over again. They were not going to allow BC to try to go deep, and I thought that's why you know Dracovic couldn't get a lot of those long balls because they just it wasn't there. Syracuse was specifically game planning against that. So if you were wondering why was he going short, Halfley said it was the defense they were throwing at them. But you know BC scored one touchdown and that was the Zay Flowers catch. If you have to if you have not watched this game, do yourself a favor if you're on Twitter, look up BC football, if you're on YouTube, look up that catch from Zay Flowers. It's one of those catches that's going to be on the highlight reels at the end of the year because that catch was incredible. It was a nice throw by Jakovic because he threw it only place where Zay Flowers could catch it. But Flowers himself 
excellent job with hand arm, you know, hand control, foot control. He did, you know, he followed through and he kept that ball still as he's rolling out. I mean, Zay Flowers is going to be an NFL wide receiver at some point because, man, is he exciting to watch. I mean, just as a journalist, as a guy who used to be a BC fan but has to kind of take a step back now and, you know, try to stay neutral. Every time he catches the ball, though, man, I jump out of my seat because he makes some catches that are just incredible. You don't see those kind of plays from a BC wide receiver. So Zay Flowers had that big game. And I also, you know, if we're talking about the offense, too, we got to talk about the offensive line because I have been as critical as of anyone um, about the offensive line since the beginning of the year. But, man, I have to be I have to be honest. They looked really good yesterday, and they did everything they needed to do to keep BC in that game and to keep that rushing attack going. You know, they had, you know, Syracuse waiting on the rush just like they used to under Steve Adazio, and they were able to still blast holes. They, they looked dominant up front. I thought they played outstanding. Again, they had that one penalty near the end of the game after the uh, fumble or interception where they were, it was first and goal at the two yard line. And after the CJ Lewis penalty, the offensive line had a holding call. So they had that penalty. But other than that, it felt like the offensive line was playing much more confidently and much better, which is going to be huge when we get ready for uh, the game against Notre Dame on um, Saturday. So all in all, good game by Boston college's offense. You know, the plays were there. But there was just those little tweaks that they needed, even if they're playing conservatively, that needed to happen for them to score more points. I know Halfley said, you know, if you looked at the statistics, we should have scored 30 points today. And I think that kind of echoes some of the issues that he noticed. And they were, you know, whether it was the special teams or whether it was third down plays, they just, they weren't, there was just that little tweak that they needed to get into the end zone. And it was, it was disappointing, but I think it's all fixable. And, you know, they're going to put this, offensive game plan to another level when they play Notre Dame and you know what I think it's all time we just kind of have to chill and you know what I need when I chill I love to have an ice cold Coors Light Coors Light is something I need after a long weekend of writing or you know watching college football nothing beats watching a game that doesn't matter to me and just chilling with an ice cold Coors Light even if my team isn't on I love a Coors Light it's just it's the official beer of watching any sport, any sport, excuse me, just to drink beer. So just flip through the channels, find a sport, and crack open a Coors Light. Last night I was on this couch, spellbound with that Notre Dame Clemson game, and it was getting close, and I was on the edge of my seat. I just, I knew I needed to chill, so I went into my fridge, I grabbed an ice cold Coors Light, and I watched the end of the game, and it, you know it just it it was perfect. So Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. And when you need to hit that reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in a new look delivered straight to your door at GetCoorsLight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Locked On Boston College. We are talking about Boston College's win over Syracuse. The Eagles defeated Syracuse 16-13 on Saturday to improve to 5-3, while the Orange fell to 1-7 in a game that was really tricky to watch but had a lot that you can take away from it. And so we're going to continue our discussion on that. First section we talked about was the offense. Now let's look at the defense. Now, I thought Boston College's defense 
had one of the best games I've seen out of them all year, and here is why. They were able to do everything that they needed to do against that Syracuse off- offense. Jacoby and Morgan started out, he looked okay. He was making some passes. He had that 31-yard pass to start the game. He, you know, The announcers were all talking about how good he looked. But I thought BC you know, contained him. They let Taj Harris catch his passes. He had seven catches against the Eagles. But he didn't have those big ones that you were just expecting out of the Syracuse offense. You know, when you think Syracuse offense and Dino Babers, you're expecting them to like, you know, move quick and make some big plays. They didn't do that. They kept, they made Jacoby and Morgan try to march down the field. And when you have a freshman quarterback like that, that's not going to happen. He's going to make mistakes. And that's what exactly what happened. He just wasn't, he wasn't consistent enough. Um, he's, I, I thought Morgan's going to be a, a good quarterback and, you know, he may end up being what Syracuse uses eventually. He's just, he's a true freshman. This is his first start. And I thought BC did a nice job. So let's look at some of the different positional um, play. I thought the MVP of this game Overall, other than the offensive line, was Max Richardson. Max Richardson is a player who we talked about at the beginning of this year as a kid that could get you know all these different defensive awards, whether it's the Nagurski or the Butkus Award, and he's played well. He leads the country in tackles. You know he's consistent. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes, but you wouldn't call his play explosive or game changing. This game, however, I thought Richardson was he was out of he played out of his mind he had two sacks he was all over the place in terms of run support um so those two sacks were big i thought he had an incredible game so max richardson i you know he was the defensive captain and he played that way especially after isaiah mcduffie went down so we should probably talk about that too if we're talking about linebackers you can't just talk about richardson without mcduffie mcduffie went down in the first quarter I watched the game and I still have no idea what happened because it was not clear on TV. I'm not going to rip on Nesson's production or the RSN production, but there was a lot of things. I had no idea what was going on because it was just all over the place. But McDuffie's injury was a confusing one. But Halfley today gave us an update on McDuffie. He says that they're going to evaluate him and he'll be able to give us an update further on Tuesday, but he's hoping that he'll play this week. Um, now when Jeff Halfley talks, sometimes he says that and he could mean it, but it doesn't mean that McDuffie is going to play. That's big. You need Isaiah McDuffie against, um, Notre Dame. So cross your fingers on that. Uh, that was a big loss, but what I noticed, what was a revelation for me when watching that linebacker group play was John Lamott. He was, he looked like a completely different player than what I saw last year. He, he looks thin down and quick. Um, and he really, I thought he did an excellent job of stepping in for McDuffie um, and holding his own for the end of the game. So I want to give a hat tip to uh, John Lamott for the way he played in that game and, and stepped up because it has, it can't be an easy year for him. You know, they went from last year, that 4-3 defense under Steve Adazio and Bill Sheridan, where McDuff, um, Lamont was out there all the time to this, you know, hybrid defense where they are always using more defensive backs and less linebackers, which has worked really well. And that's the person that this has hurt the most has been John Lamont. But he, you know, he got his opportunity and he hit it out of the park yesterday. So I want to give a hat tip to him. Now let's look at the defensive line too, because I thought they played really well. I mean, that's the thing about this game is BC won 16-13. 
But if you were to ask me, other than a few like really bad plays and um, a couple mistakes here and there, what they like? Did the players play poorly? Because look at the, the 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 score. I wouldn't say they played poorly. I thought they played really well. <laughs> so the defensive line, I thought, had a great game. We had a sack for Shataya Salah. We had uh, Luke Beckett with a forced fumble and a fumble recovery. Uh, Chibuzi and Wuka. We I feel like we need to talk about him a little bit because. If you've been watching the games the last few weeks, Anwuka has been inconsistently in the games. You know, he plays here and there. TJ Ram gets more time. Anwuka coming comes in and he makes two huge plays in the third quarter and shows why he's so valuable to this team. So I I, I thought he had a good game. Um, and, you know, I just thought they played really well and they held they held Syracuse's rushing attack to 50 yards. And Syracuse tried to run the ball. They just couldn't. Now, I know we talked a little bit last week about um, Syracuse being down running backs. It, they, they clearly have an issue with depth there because the guys that they had playing, Sean Tucker didn't look all that great, and uh, they just weren't able to move the ball on the, on the, on the ground. So um, hat tip to the, to the defensive ends, too, in the defensive line. I thought they played really well. The secondary, um, you know, I, it's interesting to, to think about how they played. Because I don't, I didn't see like them making a lot of great plays. Like Jason Matry got that tip ball interception, and uh, they, you know, they had a couple pass breakups and they played well. But I thought a lot of that was dictated by the pressure of the defense, which I thought was really did a nice job of getting in Morgan's face. Um, Brandon Sebastian, you know, he was on Taj Harris, kept him pretty much in check. He had seven catches for like sixty yards, which. If you can limit a receiver like Taj Harris to that, that's that's a good job by by um, Brandon Sebastian. So um, I think that's – I thought they played well. You know, they also suffered another big injury. Mike Palmer got hurt. Um, it looked like his thigh. I don't know what happened, if he pulled or tore something. Um, Halfley gave no updates on him today, so we'll have to see. I know Palmer is kind of one of those guys that he has his haters and he has his detractors. I kind of like his play. I know he's not the best in open space when he's playing in run support or against faster wide receivers, but the kid is a, he's a, he's a gamer and he makes big plays here and there. And I think that you lose that when you have to go to an un- underclassman. So I hope he's not hurt badly because this is his last year too. So hopefully Palmer will be returning, but all in all the defense, they locked down Syracuse. Syracuse was other than that last, and I'm going to call it a garbage time touchdown. I mean, they made Syracuse march down the field and they weren't going to give them anything cheap. And they made them take almost two minutes out of like, you know, the last three minutes to score. And they did, but with like 20 seconds left. So I thought BC did a really nice job against this deep offense. Um, They weren't really challenged all that much. So it's not easy to say that like, they played out of their minds, but I thought they did really well. And, you know, they're going to, again, I keep mentioning this. It's like one of those games where the 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 challenge is low and it's going to escalate again next week. I mean, if you watch that Clemson game, we're going to talk about that in our third segment. If you watch that Clemson game, you saw what Notre Dame's offense can do. And uh, it's going to be tough next week. But in terms of things I like, there's one other thing that I would say is up there along with BC's defense, and that is the built bar. The built bar is the bar 
of my choice when I am going for a snack or if I need a post-workout recovery food. It is delicious. It's natural. It's got everything I need to recover from, you know, I'm a runner. You know, when I go out there and I run three, four miles and I am beaten and my body aches, nothing beats for me a nice built bar and my favorite flavor. Oh my gosh, if you need to go out and try one, you need to try a a cookies and cream. It is everything you would want. It tastes like it literally tastes like eating a candy bar. But the best part is it's good for you. It has all sorts of healthy um, nutritional options for you. It's great for your health conscious person. It helps you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and it's great for a keto diet. For instance, let's look at one. The peanut butter, again, oh my gosh, if you want to try something good, try that peanut butter. 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 net carbs. Perfect. And the flavors, oh my gosh, if you're going to try it, you got to try some of these because the flavors are out of this world. Coconut almond, banana bread, lemon almond cheesecake, cookies and creams as I mentioned, caramel brownie, and my favorite other than those, my orange. I like fruity stuff and it's great after a workout. So if you have not, make sure that you try Build It Bar. Uh, you get a free cooler with purchase while it lasts. They'll only be a week, only last for a week or so, so you might want to try that soon. And if you want, you can try out Built Bar at builtbar.com and use promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. Com. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. Tomorrow, I'm going to have Eric Hofsis back on, and we're going to go look at the good, bad, and ugly on Saturday's game. This is our weekly wrap-up of the game and looking at the nitty-gritties of what BC did right and BC did wrong and give you our takes on what we should be worried about and what we should be happy about about the way Boston College plays. Now, to wrap up our conversation today... You know, Boston College played well. They improved to 5-3. and three. Again, this is Jeff Halfley's first year. It, they were predicted to finish dead last in the ACC. So they're sitting at 5-3. and three. They're looking at a decent bowl, and they have at least two more games on their schedule that I think they could easily win at Louisville and uh, UVA. But this week, whew, get ready, folks. It's Notre Dame time. And we're going to talk about the rest of the college football world right now. So let's kick it off. Clemson and Notre Dame playing last night. It was a night game. I, If you follow me on BC Bulletin, and I recommend you do, go to my site, BC Bulletin, every week. I give you all the breakdowns. If you like to read more, you can get everything about Boston College there. But I also do my weekly picks, and it's going to come over onto um, Locked On as well. I am so bad at this. I do the spreads, and thank God I don't I don't gamble because I would be out of money so fast. So my lock of the week was going to be Clemson over Notre Dame. I thought Clemson had that locked. I, you know, Eric Hofsis and I talk, and Eric has had, got me convinced that Notre Dame is one of the most overrated teams in the country. So I was like, oh yeah, Clemson's going to wipe the floor with them. So what happens? Notre Dame comes out flying against Clemson. And they build up, I think it was a 10-point lead at halftime. Ian Book looked good. You know, they got that big number 87 tight end. He looked good. They got those three wide receivers for the Irish. And they were beating up Clemson. 
But then, just like they did against Boston College, Clemson comes roaring back. DJ Uagalale, um, you know, he starts making some passes, and then it goes to overtime. DJ gets hit three twice, and Notre Dame pulls off the win. I thought no, I, I have to. I'm going to eat crow here. Ready? I thought Notre Dame played really well, and I think they're probably playing as well as anyone in the country right now. So they they deserve to beat Clemson. They deserve to be one of the best co- teams in the country. So uh, this is going to be a big game coming up against BC because if you if you're looking at the bigger picture, there's another game I think of when this happens where BC plays Notre Dame after they beat a number one team. So I think I go back to 1993 when Notre Dame the week before beats Florida State, who was number one in the country. And who do they play the next week at home? BC. So this has happened before, and this is the perfect trap game for Notre Dame, especially when you got Phil Jakrovic ready and roaring to beat his old team. And, you know, and Book talked a little bit. Um, when Phil Dracovic ended up at BC, this is going to be a personal game. Dracovic is going to be pissed off, and I think he's going to want to win. So keep your eyes glued for this. This is going to be a fun week. I, I, I can't wait to talk more about that game. But So Clemson, that's their first loss in, I think, 36 uh, regular season games. Dabo Sweeney does not lose those games, and um, that's going to be a tough one. But they're a good team. They'll come back. Trevor Lawrence will be back next week. And they're going to probably see Notre Dame again in the ACC championship. And I would not be surprised if Clemson beats them then because Clemson was down quite a few players as, as they were against BC. So they may be fully stocked when they go back. So that was the first game I watched. The other one I watched was Florida and Georgia. Um, I have a soft spot for the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, they're kind of a fun team to watch. I kind of got into them um, when uh, BC was really bad during the mid to two thousand tens, so I was just you know I like to watch it, and I watched this game and I knew going in that Georgia they don't have a quarterback, which is weird because you know two years ago they had Jake Fromm and Justin Fields and they had too much, and then they got Jamie Newman this off season and uh, J T Daniels and somehow they don't have any quarterbacks now, and so they go in with this kid Stenson uh, Bennett who looked completely overwhelmed and Florida's offense is just a, they fly all over the field. They have the best tight end. Sorry, Hunter Long in the country right now. Kyle Pitts is amazing. And you know, they got, got, they got weapons all over the place and they start scoring points and Bennett gets hurt. They bring in uh, the Mathis. I think his name is the backup quarterback. He looks like he doesn't belong on, on the field and Georgia just gets smoked. Um, it was not a good game. Uh, for for the Bulldogs, I thought Florida looks like they're ready to battle Alabama. That's going to be a fun SEC championship game. So we'll have to keep an eye out for that. The other game that I watched and kind of got a little chuckle out of was uh, Indiana at Michigan. I didn't catch everything, but Indiana smoked the Wolverines. Who now The Wolverines are now 1-2. And, and why is this game important? Because if you follow Boston College football recruiting – you know that the Michigan Wolverines love to poach players in the New England area. And the big person who does it is Don Brown, their defensive coordinator. I have to say that I have to imagine that there's going to be some changes going on in Michigan soon because the Wolverines started off as a top 10 team. They got plowed by Michigan State, who then just got demolished by Iowa. So that shows you where Michigan's at. And they lost to Indiana, a team that they hadn't beaten, I think, in 35 years or something like that, I read. Um Someone's going to have to change. And I don't know if it's going to be Jim Harbaugh or they're going to start looking at positional and uh, coordinators. And the name they're going to probably 
it's going to come up a lot, especially if you're giving up 35 points to Indiana, is Don Brown. So I have to wonder, looking at what's going on there, if Don Brown is going to be out. And that's big news for Boston College recruiting in this area. And uh, the way that they're going to have – they're going to have basically a la carte choices of who they want in this area if Don Brown's gone because I got to imagine that Don Brown's not going to make it through this year if Michigan continues to struggle the way they do. And speaking of teams that recruit in this area that struggled yesterday, let's look at the Penn State Nittany Lions, another uh, preseason top 10 team that just lost their second game, this time to the Maryland Terrapins. They lost 35-19, to 19, uh, 35-19, and they just did not look all that competitive in this game. And, I, you know, there's one specific recruit. Let's talk one specific recruit. George Rooks, who's a four-star defensive end, who has BC, Michigan, and Penn State in his final three. Um, you look at those schools, you're like, oh, BC has no chance. But look how poorly Michigan and Penn State are playing. You, ha- you know, he seemed like he liked Boston College. If those other two schools are playing poorly, maybe he'll think of BC. So, you know, you watch these games and maybe they don't mean anything. But if you look at the grander scheme, and especially how they affect Boston College, they do. They are important, and so we'll have to keep an eye on te- teams like that because they have impact BC's recruiting. And you know there were other games on. I saw USC held on against Arizona State. That was a fun game to watch, and and Oregon looked like contenders in the in the Pac-12 as well. So you know there was some fun games on this weekend. Uh, BC versus Syracuse certainly was not one of them, and. Uh, we're going to talk more about Syracuse and BC tomorrow. We're going to jump jump in more with Eric Hofsis, and we'll we'll get some more of a breakdown on that. This is AJ Black. You can follow me on Twitter at AJ Black underscore BC. You can also follow my uh, channel, bcbulletin.com, and my Twitter handle for that is at Boston College SI. I would love one thing from all of you guys. I know I've always say I always have favors from you. I have a great Facebook page, and I'd love to get more of you guys on it. So if you're following, uh, if you're on Facebook, look up BC Bulletin, and uh, hit follow for that too, because it helps uh, other people find our site and it finds this podcast. So if I want to ask you a favor, go on to Facebook and look up look up BC Bulletin and hit follow on that as well. Uh, tomorrow again, we'll be back to talk Syracuse. Have a great day, everyone, and uh, thank you all for listening. Talk to you soon.